I thank God for all who have led us so wonderfully in worship today, the Pumphrey family, our student choir, so many who have contributed to our service. We're in a sermon series called Galatians Afresh, but today we're going to take a break from it. Our generosity committee is working so hard and so wonderfully to promote this year's generosity campaign, so today's sermon will focus on generosity. And I want to draw your attention to First Chronicles chapter 29. I'll read verses 1 through 17 from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of the sermon is Returning Gifts. King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great. For the temple will not be for mortals, but for the Lord God. So I have provided for the house of my God, so far as I was able, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, besides great quantities of onyx and stones for setting, antimony, colored stones, all sorts of precious stones, and marble in abundance. Moreover, in addition to all that I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own of gold and silver, and because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for overlaying the walls of the house and for all the work to be done by artisans, gold for the things of gold and silver for the things of silver. Who then will offer willingly consecrating themselves today to the Lord. Then the leaders of ancestral houses made their freewill offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of the thousands and of the hundreds, and the officers over the king's work. They gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord and to the care of Jehiel, the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced because these had given willingly, for with single mind they had offered freely to the Lord. King David also rejoiced greatly. Then David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly, David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, are the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. And now, our God, we give thanks to you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to make this free will offering? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. For we are aliens and transients before you, as were all our ancestors. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no hope. O oh Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand, 
and is all your own. I know, my God, that you search the heart and take pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. The Generosity Committee recently mailed a letter and a pledge card to our church membership asking us prayerfully to make a commitment to support the 2024 operating budget of our church. Monetary giving to the church is not merely a practical necessity to keep our ministries going. It's a spiritual act of worship that's based on theological foundations. Monetary giving, in other words, is part of our spiritual walk. It's part of our discipleship. It's part of who we are and what we do as the people of God. The story in 1 Chronicles 29 is pertinent because it provides a model for how to give to the church. In particular, I invite you to observe three features of this powerful passage that are instructive for us as we prayerfully consider the financial dimensions of our faith. First, notice that the people of God give with a sense of stewardship. The people of God give with a sense of stewardship. Stewardship means that we don't own our possessions. God does. And we manage them or steward them for God's purposes and for God's glory. It's easy to slip into a worldly mindset and say, well, I earned my money and it's my money and I'm going to do whatever I want to with it. That's not the case according to Scripture. Verse 11 says, all that is in the heavens and on the earth is God's. It reminds me of Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, for God has founded it. Everything in creation is God's because God made it. Psalm 147 says, God determines the number of the stars he gives to all of them their names. This means that astronomers can spot stars with a telescope, but they are already named and claimed by the God who fashioned them. Psalm 50 says, Every wild animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. This means that whatever farmer's brand is on the cattle and whoever's property line the pastures fall within all of it belongs to God every living thing in the oceans mountains and plains is the Lord's 
from a faith perspective then, uh, we find ourselves living in someone else's world, under someone else's stars, on someone else's land, alongside someone else's animals. Creation is not its own, it's God's. The universe is not an independent organization, it's God's. The earth is not private property nor public property, it's God's. The same is true for humanity. God created humanity in God's own image. We too are God's and everything we have is God's. Our bodies and our minds are God's. Our time and our talents are God's. Every dollar in our piggy bank, every dollar in our Venmo, every bank account we have, and every investment with our name on it is God's. That's why David says in verse 14, Who am I and what is my people that we should be able to make this free will offering? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. It reminds me of when I was a little boy. When I was young, I used to get $2 a week for allowance. My parents gave me this allowance, usually on Saturdays, to teach me how to manage money, how to steward money, showing me how to save some and spend some. I usually spent my allowance on the first pack of baseball cards I came across, or the first pack of basketball cards. Sometimes, though, I would save my allowance for a little while so I could get something a little more expensive. And rarely, I mean on very rare occasions, I might spend some of that money to buy something for someone else. Maybe a birthday card for my dad, or a Mother's Day gift for my mom. In these moments of giving my parents such gifts, it would have been silly for me to take pride in my grand generosity because I was only giving my parents what I was able to buy with the money they had given me to start with. How silly it would be for me to walk in there in a self-congratulatory, prideful spirit, look what I have gotten you, Mom and Dad. The proper way to offer such gifts would have been with a humble attitude because I was giving them things that I bought with their own money. Likewise, when we give to the church with a sense of stewardship, we bring our tithes and offerings with humble gratitude that we get an allowance from God to begin with. We offer monetary gifts to the church with a mindset like that of David. All things come from you, God, and of your own we have given you. Second, notice in this passage that the people of God give with joy. The people of God give with 
joy. Verse 17 says they made their offerings joyously. Verse 9 speaks of people rejoicing as gifts were given. This reminds me of what the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. God loves a cheerful giver. When we give to God rightly, we give joyfully. We aren't angry to surrender resources to God. We aren't sad to offer a portion to the church. We aren't begrudging to support the ministries of God's people. A proper giving is marked by a spirit of joy. You know, when we purchase something for ourselves and the broader marketplace, there is often a sense of joy. When we buy ourselves a new book or some new clothes or a new car, we're often thrilled. When we buy ourselves tickets to a concert or we spend some money to go to a movie or we save up and spend so we can go on a great vacation, we're often excited about it. Likewise, we can rejoice when giving to God because it's the greatest investment we could ever make. It's a blessing to support the many good things God is doing in and through the church. And who knows what marvelous things might come from our giving. In a town where I formerly pastored, there was a young girl about eight or nine years old who started worshiping with us with her family. Her name was Caitlin. Caitlin didn't have much experience in church, and she was happy to learn a lot of new things in Sunday school and in big church worship as well. She was soaking it all up like a sponge. When December rolled around, Caitlin joined the other children of the church in collecting money for missions to put in the offering plate on a certain Sunday. Each child had their own envelope, and they were encouraged to gather money in it over a period of time, and they were all looking forward to their big day of putting their special envelopes in the offering plate in big church, in the sanctuary. But Caitlin found herself without her envelope when she arrived that morning in the sanctuary service, distressed, uh, she and a family member ran back into the parking lot to their car where Caitlin retrieved her envelope. And she came running back into the building and scurried into the sanctuary. And she had the biggest smile on her face when she placed that envelope of her gifts into the offering plate in the sanctuary. I mean, there was an unmistakable gladness. She was beaming to make her contribution. Would that we all gave with such a spirit of joy. Third, not only do the people of God give with a sense of stewardship, not only do the people of God give with a spirit of joy, but the people of God give as a decision of our own free will. We give as a decision of our own free will. In 1 Chronicles 29, the people don't give because they're forced to give. They don't give because they would feel guilty if they didn't. They give with willing hearts. Verse 5 says they were invited to give willingly. And verse 9 says that they gave willingly. As you may know, some faith communities 
require their members to pay dues. Similarly, many civic clubs, professional organizations, and other groups require participants to pay dues. But churchgoers here don't pay dues. We make free will contributions. We decide for ourselves, ideally with the guidance of the Spirit, what we are going to give. Like many churches, we at Second Baptist suggest the biblical practice of tithing, which means giving 10% of what you have to the operating budget of the church. The tithe reminds us that God is not as interested in the amount of our gift as in the proportion of our gift in relation to what we have. We encourage each church member to give 10% of your income to the operating budget of the church. And beyond that, we encourage you to contribute whatever you feel led to give for whatever ministry you select. And we always encourage giving for the sake of helping people in need. That is financial discipleship. And it's vital for our spiritual health. You may remember in Matthew 6, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, our hearts follow the money trail. <laughs> if we want to put our heart into our faith, then we put some money into it. If we want to put our heart into worship, then we put some money into it. If we want to put our heart into our church, then we put some money into it. For where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. According to verse 16, the people gave abundantly. The ultimate goal, the spiritual ideal, is not a 10% tithe, but even more generous offerings overflowing from a worshipful heart. Studies have shown that the average Christian gives roughly 2 to 3% of their income. Some of us might not know what percentage our giving represents, and some of us might be thinking, there's no way I can give 10%. But unless you're genuinely struggling in poverty, would it be possible to consider reducing spending in certain areas in order to give, say, 4% next year? And then would it be possible to adjust spending a little differently and give 7% the following year? What if a plan was made to rearrange the household budget gradually, prayerfully, and intentionally so that by 2026 you were giving 10%? On the other hand, some might feel led to start tithing immediately. In her book entitled This Odd and Wondrous Calling, Reverend Dr. Lillian Daniel recounts that when she was a young mother, she was struggling in deep credit card debt. And one day, on her way to pick up her children from daycare, she was stuck in a traffic jam. And as her car stood still amid the gridlock on the streets, suddenly, the whole city appeared golden to her. 
It was a strange experience as the city became golden before her eyes, and it happened out of nowhere. Although she's not prone to receiving visions, she reports that she began to pray, and a series of images popped into her mind. One of the images was a huge pair of scissors cutting up a credit card. Another of the images was the figure 10%. When she got home, she walked through the door and said to her husband, I've just had a vision from God. We're meant to cut up our credit cards and start tithing. And believe it or not, her husband replied, I've been waiting years for you to walk through the door and say that. So they cut up their credit cards together and sent in a pledge card to their church for 10%. Later, they met with a financial planner who helped them and who encouraged them not only to save for college and to save for retirement and to save for life insurance, but also to consider a pre-tax tithe. Within a few years, they had worked their way up to giving a pre-tax tithe and had also gotten rid of all of their credit card debt. Who knows, maybe somebody here today will go home, walk through the door, and decide to start tithing. Or go home, walk through the door, and decide to start giving a pre-tax tithe. Or go home, walk through the door, and decide to start giving something to the church systematically for the first time in their entire life. I can't offer you a vision from above to show you that this is God's will for your life. I certainly can't make the city of Richmond appear golden before you on the way home, but I can tell you that according to 1 Chronicles chapter 29, the people of God give with a sense of stewardship. The people of God give with a spirit of joy. And the people of God give as a decision of their own free will. And it's all in recognition that all that we are and all that we have and all good things come from the generous hand of our gracious and loving God. Amen.